We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Thinking about health care these days? We well, are not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. I'm coming at you on am860theanswer.com. And this is talk radio, interactive radio. I'm at 877-969-8600. If you want to join the show, 877-969-8600. I've got special guests this morning, Felicia Stoller, who I'll bring on in a few minutes. First, I wanted to say a few words about our new governor, DeSantis. Oh, my gosh, I love this guy already. I liked him when I read his website and his stand on a number of issues, one of which was oversight of the police and the uh, the uh, municipalities and jurisdictions and their prosecution of the law. Well, the Florida governor, our governor DeSantis, has suspended Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel over his mishandling of the mass shootings in Broward County. There have been a couple in the past two or three years. Israel was county sheriff at the time of the Fort Lauderdale International Airport, which you may or may not remember. There was a mass shooting there in which five people were killed. That was on January 6, 2017, and a little more than a year later, we had the, sh- the school shooting. Now, this was near the baggage claim in Terminal 2. Five people were killed while six others were injured in the shooting, and the shooter, Esteban Santiago Ruiz, was taken into custody within 90 seconds after he started shooting. He was later diagnosed with schizophrenia and pleaded guilty. He had actually carried his pistol with him in a security box and had declared it when he checked in in Alaska. He apparently was living in Alaska at the time of the shooting, uh, although it occurred in the Fort Lauderdale airport. Santiago Ruiz was known to the police and the FBI in Alaska, and he had also spent extensive time in Puerto Rico, and his family members realized that he had mental illness and uh, presumably they had tried to get him some help. Now, the second mass shooting occurred at Stoneman Douglas High School a year later. 17 students and faculty were killed and 17 others, as I recall, were injured. The perpetrator was well known to Broward County law enforcement and as well had had contact with the FBI. 19-year-old former student Nicholas Cruz was a perpetrator and had posted violent threats on the Internet as well as having complaints lodged against him to the sheriff's department. And apparently they had visited his house a number of of times, period. Numerous uh, other opportunities to arrest Cruz were were available, and he had made violent threats before on the Internet as well as verbally. And remember, in Florida, this is a felony, and it's punishable by up to seven years in prison. 
However, the sheriff's department did not act. And I believe the FBI had contact, although it was minimal, and so I don't hold them personally responsible. But I was critical of the sheriff's department and of Israel at the time of the uh, Broward County school shooting and also of their governing body. And as you may recall, I even advocated for lawsuits against both the sheriff's department and the county government. These incidents were not a result of current gun ownership laws. Rather, they were a result of law enforcement and local jurisdictions and, I guess, federal jurisdictions failing to act. And I agree with our governor 100%. I've long advocated for oversight of our law enforcement bodies and of our various jurisdictions and the enforcement of laws that are on the books. Neither of these men should have been allowed to own guns and should have been incarcerated long before they perpetrated their heinous crimes. Santiago Ruiz had a history of domestic violence, breaking down a door and choking his then wife. And he had contact with both jurisdictions in Alaska and the FBI. Cruz had multiple contacts with law enforcement in our state, specifically Israel and his department. Neither states took adequate action to prevent these shootings. Without pressure on our law enforcement and oversight of our various jurisdictions, these tragedies will continue to occur. We have an absolute right and jurisdictions have an absolute responsibility and duty to enforce the laws which make it illegal to post or write violent threats. Law enforcement, like any other aspect of our interactions, requires oversight. It's the right of you and I as citizens to oversee the police and the work that they do. Yes, we should support them. Uh, they do work hard. It is a tough job, but they are certainly not the most dangerous jobs in the world. And as I pointed out in the past, they don't even make it into the top 10 of the most dangerous jobs. Remember, these people work at our behest. They are our employees. They would often like to think otherwise and are quick to say that they work for the city or the county or the state or the federal government. But we are the city, we are the county, we are the state, and we are the federal government. Governor DeSantis impressed me early on with his stand. I love this guy. I'm delighted to see that he has taken action, advocated at the time of the Stoneman Douglas mass shootings by me that we do something. There is absolutely no reason whatsoever why these two men should have been allowed to own guns, much less roam free. They both broke the law. They both deserve prison terms. So let's put this into action. Let's get behind the governor. And by the way, we had a Florida exotic dancer arrested a few days ago in, I believe, uh, Plant City. She was arrested after allegedly posting notes to social media about having visions of committing a mass shooting. And she said that she admired mass murderers. And this was a 31-year-old named Breen Basarich. And this was on January 2nd. And apparently authorities were alerted, uh, were alerted to her postings about taking lives and her visions about using an assault weapon to kill people in a crowded bar. So the Plant City police picked her up. They arrested her. She posted bail and she is out, but we've tagged her. And you know what? She needs to go to trial. She needs to be brought to trial and she needs to be given the maximum, which in under Florida law is seven years in prison. So... With that, we'll move on. We've got a really exciting guest with us this morning, Felicia Stoller. Now, Felicia is uh, a registered uh, dietitian. I think she has her doctorate in clinical nutrition, master's of science. Uh, she's a fellow in the American College of Sports Medicine, 
uh, has a whole host of, of tags and honors and degrees behind her name. So let's welcome her to the show. Felicia, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, my delight. Glad to have you. Good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so you are the guru on uh, dietary health and fitness and activity, and I see you've been on a number of shows. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm preaching the I'm preaching the word of preventative medicine, right? You know, taking care of yourself, um, using lifestyle as medicine, making better for you food choices, physical activity choices, trying to minimize stress, decrease other sort of you know bad things you shouldn't be doing like smoking or excessive alcohol consumption. So, wait a minute. Wait a easy. minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> What's excessive alcohol consumption? Uh, I guess it's all <laughs> relative, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all relative, I guess. Now, okay, is three beers a night, is that too much? I'm sorry? Is three, three beers, beers a night too much? I guess it's not too much, but I always tell people to go for, like, the clear liquor versus the beer and the wine. Personally, that's, you know, most people I'm talking to are looking at ways to uh, keep their weight down, so. Because there's fewer calories and and. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what happens is like I talk a lot about nutrient density and food and I sort of look at that the same way with spirits, you know, like if you're going to if you want to have them because you want to relax a little bit, right, because of, you know, that's what the alcohol does to your body. Your your best bet is sort of those clear, clear spirits because they have less calories for, you know, a more concentrated amount of alcohol. Yeah, but you know what? They don't fill you up, so you keep going back for more. So that that may be a problem. But uh, well, our beverages the way we're supposed to fill up. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd be, well, you know, when you're watching a football game and you're eating chips and dip, you got to have something to wash it all down with. And one mixed drink's not going to last for a three-hour game. So you're right. That, you're that, right. That, that's a tough one, there, Felicia. I'll tell you. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I mean, <laughs> then there's always water and club soda, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. You could, I guess you could stretch it out, huh? Bill, do you do that? Do you use mixed drinks, or are you a beer man? I'm a beer man, so I'm just listening intently and, and uh, carefully self-editing before I'm going to get back to my life. <laughs> so you don't yeah. drink wine, Felicia? You're a you're a. I, you're I a really don't drink person. it as much as I use. I'm I'm definitely a spirit person. I will once in a very blue moon drink wine, but no, I I would rather drink water than drink wine. Very good. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm getting older too, and I'm you know in in that sort of you know menopause state. So I'm at that age where women often complain about the weight gain and I've experienced that myself, even doing everything else right, you know, in terms of eating and exercising. So I'm very acutely sensitive and aware of that, even, you know, as a healthcare professional. Well, I'm looking at your picture here on your uh, pitch publicity page and you look like a beauty queen to me, girlfriend. So <laughs> I don't know how you look now, but you look good there. I still look the same. That picture is new. So I just, you know, we all have our little uh, quirks about us. At... <laughs> it's tough to keep the weight off as we get older. I finally uh, asked my surgeon if he'd do a bariatric procedure on me. I had two-thirds of my stomach cut out 
and I've lost about 30, 40 pounds. I wasn't morbidly obese, but I was just, I got a lot of health problems. Uh, I broke my neck. I've got radiculopathies and ventral hernia, all these things. And actually, I feel better than I've felt in years. And I really haven't lost that much weight, but it, it's been a tremendous Well, 30 health. pounds is, is, is tremendous, you know. I mean, that's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't you know, poo-poo that at all. I would totally, that's, that's a lot. Like I often say to people that are overweight, you know, if I were to give you like a 50-pound bag of potatoes and you're to hold that, you know, could you lift that and imagine that off your body? Yeah, that's true. And uh, it has made a world of difference. My neck hurts less. My uh, hip where I had the bone graft taken hurts less. And um, so it, it's been a real godsend. And I can't I can't stress enough to people the benefits of losing weight, even just five or 10 pounds for right. blood pressure and cholesterol. Right. I don't know what, right. what your experience is, but. Uh, yeah. Well, I will tell you, you know, a few things. One is that when I did my doctoral research, my research was in worksite wellness, and that we found when people lost as little as 10% of their body weight, um, they found they had some improvement in, you know, at least one measured outcome. So whether it was. Uh, waist, waist and hip circumference, total cholesterol, blood pressure, like looking at systolic and diastolic blood pressure, blood sugar levels. I mean, there was always some improvement. So for people that have significant weight to lose, even losing a little bit makes a very big difference. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've noticed this. I, I've, I'm in, in St. Petersburg, Florida, where I practice, we have had, and I, we probably still do have, one of the oldest populations percentage-wise of any city in the world. And so we see a lot of older people, and I have, uh, I probably have a dozen plus, maybe more, uh, 90-year-old plus patients. And I, I don't see anybody uh, obese making it into their 90s. I don't know what your experience is with this. No, well, I happen to be down in the Boca area for the weekend visiting with my parents, and I went to the gym with my mom yesterday, and she introduced me to a lady at the gym, and she said, Felicia, guess how old she is? And I really thought maybe she was like 76 years old. She was 90. She looked great. I looked at her. I was like, wow, you're my idol. I want to yeah. live to be 100. Like, I have a, we have a great aunt that just passed away at 104 and a half, and she was not a heavy woman, and she used to do square dancing. That was her exercise that she used to like to do. So I, I just, I'm like, well, you know, I, everything to me is about that return on investment. Can I keep applying everything I learned in grad school? And will it give me longevity and, you know, living longer and more vibrantly with, you know, less illness and disease? So, so far, so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that you, you, you've got the right formula. It's uh, keep your weight down and stay active. And, uh, of course, don't smoke and keep the drinking to uh, a reasonable amount. Uh, well, right. I mean, they didn't say knock it out completely. <laughs> no, no, we can't do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bill and I had meltdown. <laughs> right, right. Well, look, and I respect that there's some people that, uh, you know, have substance abuse issues and they, they can't, you know, partake in that. So they have to find other ways to relax. <laughs> Absolutely. And exercise and dieting are excellent ways for them. So we'll put them all on a fat farm and uh, make them run around in circles. How about that? That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so I see you went to Rutgers and uh, Columbia. And Tulane. Yeah, it's got a, you know, a little collection of colleges and universities I've been to. <laughs> Tulane. Oh, my. Are you Catholic or were you raised no. Catholic? 
No. No? no you had to no. end up at Tulane. Tulane is not a denominational school. I went there because the weather was warm and it was a beautiful campus and um, I like the warm weather and I wanted to be outdoors versus going to the colder climate schools. You might be getting confused with Loyola University, which was right next door, but um, you know, it was a great it was a great school to attend. I had a wonderful time, and I have friends all over the country that you know I travel a lot for work, so I have a, the opportunity to visit with my college friends in all parts of the United States. And I think that's probably where I got my foodie on, where I really got an appreciation for food because in the 80s there were still restaurants were still local. You know, there was not a lot of national change in that city, so everything that I was accustomed to eating from the Northeast didn't taste so good when I ate the same version of it in New Orleans. So I learned to eat what was local there. And I think that's when I learned, I really got an appreciation for learning about new flavors and new types of foods and, you know, eating things that are different, trying new foods. And um, so. (laughs) Yeah. I lived in New Orleans for a year. I did my internship there. Best food on, well, the best the best cuisine in the United States, truly unique and uh, really wonderful. I just loved it. And the Southern hospitality is pretty darn good there, too. Yep. Ride that streetcar uptown, baby. <laughs> so I loved it. We lived uh, we lived about a block from the end of the streetcar line at uh, Carrollton and Claiborne. And, uh-huh. uh, so we could just jump on the streetcar and head head downtown and have some fun, but, uh, it was, it's a wonderful city to live in for a year or yeah, two. It, I, I, it's, I couldn't it's, it's a very special place. Yeah. It's a special place, but hard to live there all the time. I don't know. After my four years there, every time I go back there, it just feels like home. I go back there, you know, about once a year, every other year. And I don't know, every time I, I, I get there and once I get away from the airport and I get into the uptown area, just like I, there's a calmness that comes over me. It's a beautiful, beautiful part of town, too, uptown and, and around the campus and the zoo. It's just a wonderful experience to uh, have spent time there. So I'm I'm grateful for that. So yeah. at Rutgers, you got your, your Ph.D.? Doctor, uh, I got doctor. a doctorate in, clin- in clinical nutrition at DCN, which is, you know, a Ph.D. equivalent. Um, And my research was in worksite wellness, as I stated before, and I also did some training in sports medicine, and I did some training in in medical journalism there as well. Well, very good. Now, I I assume that you're still consulting as a a workplace uh, health expert. Yes, I I still do some worksite wellness, and I do individual counseling, and I do a lot of consulting work for for companies and consumer education, and I'm still called upon by the media on a regular basis to, um, you know, to come on and, you know, debunk some misinformation or be informative about some other information related to health and and nutrition and fitness. What what do you think is the, uh, at this point in time with all of our research and our knowledge, what do you think the, the most, uh, uh, the, the most or the least, I don't know how to say this, the myth of something being good for you that really isn't. What What is the big thing that you're seeing now that people are saying, oh, this is the latest? You know, I, I see all these fads all the time. We went through chromium picolate and, you know, cinnamon and coumarin and all these things. And it seems to change every year or two. It's all a bunch of baloney from what I can tell. 
I think juice cleanses have to be the biggest bit of baloney, honestly. I always say to people, like, these are people that are doing these quote-unquote cleanses. You know, they, um, you know, there's just drinking sugar water. These are people that are otherwise, like, normally carb avoiders to begin with. And, you know, you've got, I mean, that, I think the whole paleo-keto diet thing is just very harmful. And, you know, um, those are, you know, some things that I look at and, you know, my, my friends and my colleagues and I would just shake our heads. I mean, I was with some friends last night and someone said, we're doing the macro diet. I go, the macro diet? I said, that's so funny, macros. Like, I've been talking to people about eating carbohydrates, protein, and fat for 20 years. What's so different about it? Somebody just started calling it macros. It's like the slang term for it made it sexier. <laughs> I mean, I just think that's so ridiculous. What's a macro diet? Uh, what's that include? Well, that basically it's about looking at the ratio and the percentage of the nutrients that you're eating. And, and literally, my friend's wife said to me, I don't want to do math. I just want to do what I'm told to eat, which is why I've personally gotten away from being so frigid when I do dietary recommendations with clients. And I've really tried to encourage them to think more about their food instead of saying you have to eat X amount of grams of protein or X amount of percentage of carbohydrates in your diet and percentage of fat in your diet. I really just try to emphasize the style of eating you should be eating, which is more, you know, either Mediterranean or flexitarian and really going more for that, um, you know, eating predominantly plant-based with small amounts of animal source protein, minimizing, you know, fried food and too much extra, you know, unnecessary fats in your diet, looking at your beverage consumption and balancing it out with physical activity. I mean, instead of saying, you know, you need to eat 30% of your calories from fat, 20% from protein, 30, you know, another 30% from carbohydrates, look who wants to sit, start doing the math on this stuff. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. What I tell people is, and then they, because I get all kinds of people coming in and they, uh, well, I'm eating healthy. Yeah, but how many calories are you eating? That's that's really right. going to be the bottom line for a lot of the folks and uh, trying to get them to change their diet. I mean, look, if you like pizza, uh, don't eat three pieces, just eat one. Right. Uh, but uh, I think that's it's hard to get that. Or across. even two with that, you know, even two, but you got to balance that out with other stuff, you know, like oh yeah, uh, and, and planning your food and understanding how it all fits in within your day, and are you getting what you need in a day? Like when I know I'm going out to a steak restaurant because I'm going to be clear, I'm a flexi- I'm a flexitarian, but I eat everything. Um, I always, you know, I always will, you know, know that if I'm doing that for dinner, then I'm going to eat lighter during the day. I'm going to get more vegetables in during the day, and I'm going to avoid eating any other sort of animal-sourced protein because I'm saving that all for one meal. Well, that's that's one way to do it. That's a good way to do it. And, you know, I think that uh, the, the other thing that I tell people, and, and I'm having a – we'll talk about this in the second half of the show, but my, my son's girlfriend is a vegan, and – you know, I've been trying to tell her, look, the bioavailability of the basic amino acids just isn't the same as it is with animal protein, whether it's eggs or cheese or meat or chicken or whatever. But uh, I agree with you. I think that you get you have to use a little common sense and balance it out. You don't need to eat meat three times a day, but you do need to eat some kind of animal protein. I just to, think it's better. I just think yeah. it's better to have a little bit. I mean, and I, and again, I eat like predominantly, you know, plant-based with small amounts of animal-sourced protein. But 
you know, look, I've met many of vegan that's obese, and I look at them, and I'm, like, scratching my head, and I'm thinking, like, how'd you get it like that? You know, like, it's just, like, that's well, an awful lot of food. You must be eating candy bars and potato chips because I just, there's no way if you're eating, you know, the way I would be eating that if I were a vegan that, that you gain that much weight. Well, I think, too, that uh, there that some of these vegans are, you know, they're protein deficient, and part of the protein deficiency syndrome is to get a pot belly. And, mm. uh, you know, I, I, I can't remember the biochemistry of it completely, but uh, I, I do remember that as being one of the syndromes we studied in medical school, is that when you have a protein deficiency, you'll look obese. You'll oh, get a well, fat those are belly. Like, well, that's like those kids in Africa. <laughs> you see pictures of that, you know, where they're malnourished and they get that pot belly, but... I don't think protein energy malnutrition is a problem in the United States. You you don't it, think that the vegans are having any problems? I don't think that's it. I think it's what they're eating instead. I think it's, you know, maybe how they're eating it, like fried tofu is still fried tofu, right? It's still like a fried food. You mean I got to cut that out? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've, I've gone vegetarian, but not because of any any health concern or dietary concern. I've just done so much damage to the planet. I thought I better start atoning for my sins. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. But well, I still eat, uh, you know, I still eat cheese and and yogurt and have an occasional egg because I know you got to have some animal protein. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, again, I think all you know, all foods and you know, somewhat all foods in moderation. I mean. You know, people always assume because I'm a dietitian that I'm a vegetarian or a vegan. And, you know, and then, you know, I have people that for various reasons, you know, don't want to eat animals because they're, you know, being killed. And I'm like, I get it. I've been to many farms. I, I mean, I've sort of thrust myself into learning more about where our food comes from so that I can really understand it and, and, and speak to, you know, agricultural practices, you know, that impact uh or, you know, the foods that we eat. And I'm always like, well, people are still going to keep eating animals. So if I decide to give it up and 10 other people give it up, they're still going to be killed for food. So I might as well enjoy it because I like the taste of it. So Sure, <laughs> sure, absolutely. Yeah. I was thinking about small children, but they tell me that's illegal. <laughs> so, but I don't I don't know. I, I'll have to investigate that and get back to you. But by, by the way, I did see one study where uh, – Children, babies of vegan women are, were were lower birth weight. Now I don't know how big a study that was, but um, I think that's certainly significant. And I can see my wife's Korean, and I see in her generation they're all smaller than the kids are today in Korea. And of course, yeah. the kids in Korea today are eating, you know, they're eating a higher protein and certainly a higher animal protein diet as well because the Koreans had already been addicted to the plants for for eons and meat was especially red meat was a real uh, rarity when my wife was growing up you know they they were right after the civil war there and there wasn't much around to eat yeah but, uh, i think it does make a difference well i talk about that in my book about how um you know if we eat a lot of protein in this country and other parts of the world they use protein more for flavor they eat smaller amounts of it in bigger dishes, you know, and so they use meat or fish or poultry or pork because um, pork is actually probably the largest consumed animal in the world. Um, but um, they, you know, use small amounts of it for, for flavoring. I mean, I remember when I was taking my chemistry courses for grad school, I had a professor from the Caribbean islands and she said, you know, I came to America because protein is cheap here. 
And, you know, it's funny that she said that at the very beginning of my graduate, you know, education, because every time I kept going through school and we had to do a lot of work at Columbia in underserved communities. And when we talked a lot about um, the the cheaper cuts of meats that are available in low income areas. And I was like, there you go. See, there's the cheap meat, right? Like it's, it's, it's not the healthier parts of the animal that, you know, that is available at a good price in low income areas. And so, you know, again, it's like this cheap, this idea of cheap protein, um, you know, you look at things like hot dogs, you know, like, I don't, they're, they're, you know, hot dogs are, and, and uh, you know, some of the chicken parts, like the wings and the drumsticks, like those aren't the healthier parts of the chicken if you're going to eat that. Yeah, but uh, it does have the animal protein and some essential fatty acids. So, right. Uh, right. you know, even... Uh, I, I agree with you that uh, there's certainly uh, uh, we could we could do with a little better dietary regimens in some of the lower income communities. But you know what? Uh, the the overall health of our quote quote lower income and I don't you know compared to the rest of the world, we, we don't right. have any really low income. <laughs> I mean, we are a middle class nation, but uh, you know, they're so much healthier than so many other parts of the world. Of course, that's changing now with the with Cargill and Archer Daniel Midland and the big uh, the big companies that have produced American companies that have produced fertilizers and hybridized plants and animals and, and taught the world how to feed itself, but still, uh, you know, you can you can look at some parts of Sub-Saharan Africa and the Horn of Africa where there's famine and and you can see the big difference. I mean, really and truly, it, I, I think that. If it wasn't for McDonald's and hot dogs and a bunch of other junk foods like that, a lot of kids would be malnourished in the United States. Well, you know, there is still a problem with food insecurity in the United States. I mean, we we are the land of plenty, but there are still those that do not have enough. So, um, you know, I guess that's where also some of this idea of demonizing a lot of foods comes into play. And, you know, the question is, you know, can you eat healthy on, um, on a budget? You know, and can you, um, you know, can you get the nutrients that you need? And, you know, I would even say you can. It may not be perfect, but, you know, sometimes what happens is we see so much in the media or we hear, you know, celebrities as experts talking about, you know, particular diets or eating plans. And I call some of these folks food elitists, you know, where if you're not eating a particular way, then, you know, nothing's healthy. So people are like, the heck with that. Then I'm just not going to eat at all. You know, they just assume that. You can't get protein that's affordable, and I know, you know, we were just talking about that before, but, you know, some some things that I, you know, like to talk about, you know, people can do things like eat beans as protein, you know, beans and, and uh, pulses, you know, um, that those are good ways to get protein in eating nuts if you don't have a nut allergy, nuts and seeds, and things like eggs, you know, people thought eggs are bad for you because, they have a lot of cholesterol in them. And, you know, what we've learned over time is that eating dietary cholesterol does not necessarily raise your dietary cholesterol. And that, um, you know, eggs do have, as you know, they're rich in choline and they have, um, you know, they have other, you know, minerals in them that are important in, in addition to being, you know, this very inexpensive good source of protein. They have B12 and antioxidants, uh, lutein and xanthan are in them. So that's great. Dairy products, 
you know, can be good for people to milk different types of milk, whether it's skim milk or whole milk and uh, things like yogurt and cheese. And, you know, I'm a big advocate for yogurt, I know. Um, you know, some people want to stay away from yogurt because there's, you know, yogurt with all kinds of candy attached to the tops of it. You know, these flips and things that you can have where, you know, the only way to dress up our food is to put candy in it. And I think you can have, you know, yogurt plain. And personally, I really love the Greek style yogurts that are out there. But, um, you know, I, I always tell people to pay attention to what's on the label and know what are things to avoid on the label and what are things that are okay on the label. So things I tend to recommend are things that you should avoid are things like the non-nutritive sweeteners that are out there. As we've been learning, they're harmful to the gut microbiome. I've never met anybody that switched to a non-nutritive sweetener and told me they lost weight. Um, you know, that that's problematic. Again, if you've got like crumbled Oreos and, and Snickers on, you know, as an add-in, I'd stay away from that. But other ingredients to be aware of that I think are good for you um, you know, you may have some, um, you know, the, and, and let me just backtrack too and, and say for a second that, you know, people look at a label and say, oh my God, there's sugar in the yogurt and they get confused with lactose, which is naturally occurring sugar. So, you know, the question is whether or not there's a lot of added sugars in there and, you know, your plain yogurt isn't going to have that. Some of the ones that have fruit in them may. So, you know, there's other, um, you know, ingredients that may be in there. So you may see something like tarragonin in there, which some people go, oh, my goodness, what is that? And really, like, that's basically a fiber that comes from red seaweed that has some added health benefits. It actually helps it to stay together. It acts like a thickening agent and a stabilizer, yeah, especially when there's yep. especially when there's like a, something like acidic in there, like, um, like pineapple or any of the uh, berries citrus or other fruits, yeah. fruits mm-hmm. citrus, citrus fruits that have ascorbic acid in there because that actually might have the yogurt, you know, come apart because the way it interacts with the dairy. But there are human clinical research studies that suggest that carrageenan may play a role in lowering cholesterol, which makes sense because it's a fiber in reducing inflammation and and potentially fighting and fighting colds and viruses by reducing the amount of time that you have them. So, you know, sometimes we think about things that, and we're just using a part of a plant and just using a plant for a different purpose. And I I always think that that's cool. (laughs) Yep. That (laughs) is cool. That Uh, is cool. And um, it's my, uh, it's my coffee break time. So, um, I want you to go grab a cup of joe or whatever you drink. I do have a cup of joe right next to me. (laughs) And we'll be back in a few minutes. I am Dr. Bill with Felicia Stoller on 860 AM The Answer. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Will he or won't he? President Trump not dropping any hints right now on whether he could declare an emergency to get money for a wall along the U.S. border with Mexico. He's also not saying what his strategy to end the partial government shutdown might be as it heads into a fourth week, says Democrats have been completely unwilling to make any compromises. Iran's foreign ministry has summoned the Polish envoy in the country following an announcement by Secretary of State Mike Pompeo that Poland will host an international conference on Iran and the Middle East next month. The official IRNA news agency says Iran conveyed its protest message to the Polish charge d'affaires. And Saudi Arabia's energy minister says major oil producers need to do better to narrow swings in prices that dip below $60 a barrel 
and rise above 86. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Hi, I'm Phil Grandy at philsgang.com. I want to extend my personal invitation to all my listeners to join me in Orlando, Florida, February 7th through the 10th at the Money Show Free Investment Conference in Orlando, Florida, being held at Omni Resort Champions Gate. That's Thursday, February 7th through Sunday the 10th. On Saturday at 2 p.m., I'm inviting you to attend my workshop. Don't miss it. To register, go to philsgang.com. philsgang.com. We'll see you on the charts in Orlando. Short on time, but want to invest in the stock market? Actually, yes, I am. Let philsgang.com help you. For only $39.95 a month, you get complete access to all of Phil's powerful investing programs, videos, and resources. That works for me. Log in, watch the videos, and make profits. Find out more at philsgang.com or call 877-600-GANG. That's 877-600-4264. philsgang.com. The political landscape today is often filled with spin, and the truth is sometimes hard to decipher. So how can you really know what's in your best interest as an American, as a voter? Turn to the trusted voices leading America in the right direction at conservativeradio.com. Visit conservativeradio.com to hear the facts, thoughtful insights, and intelligent perspectives from Dennis Prager, Hugh Hewitt, Michael Medved, and more. From anywhere on your laptop, tablet, or smartphone, listen at conservativeradio.com. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Patchy fog for the morning, otherwise partly sunny day today with a high 77. Then a mainly clear night, low 55. Sunshine for much of the day tomorrow, high 67. And a mainly clear night with a low of 48. Mostly sunny Tuesday, high 65. Tuesday night will be clear to partly cloudy with a low 48. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Kevin Snyder for AM860, The Answer. Cheeseburger in Paradise Supersize. Jimmy Buffett singing about how he'd rather have a cheeseburger than tofu. And I'm with Felicia Stoller, my new best friend, and we're talking about diet and lifestyle today. Felicia, are you with me still? I'm still here. All right. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the vegan diet now. I know that you had said that or thought I heard you say that it probably was not harmful, but uh, 
I, I, I'm wondering if, if we get all the nutrients that we need, and I had seen some data and some, uh, uh, some blogs and some physicians, and, uh, and there's a woman called uh, Dr. Edie. Do you know her? Uh, Dr. Edie? No, I don't know her. <laughs> she's, she's at Harvard. She's a psychiatrist who's also interested in, in uh, foods and diets and looking at the effects on the brain. And she talks about a number of, of uh, deficiencies that can occur in vegan diets, um, such as fat-soluble vitamins and vitamin A. Because she feels well, B twelve is the one that people talk about the most, right? Yep. They they tend not to get enough B twelve because it's you know we don't have enough of that in plants. I mean, I will tell you, I just I just for you know giggles, I uh, I've been trying to go through some of those what I call the shockumentaries that are out there, mm-hmm. and um, you know because I'm always asked about them, and I was I recently down in thinking this for Netflix. I can watch a lot of stuff on my iPad when I'm on an airplane. Um, but I've watched Forks Over Knives, you know, which basically advocates uh, predominantly vegan um, diet. And, you know, it's interesting. I watch movies like that. And, you know, to the average person who doesn't know enough about science or know enough about human anatomy and physiology or biochemistry, you know, it sounds very convincing. But, you know, there's a lot of bias that goes on when people tell stories because they want to make a point uh, about, you know, they want to support their hypothesis. And so, you know, they will often use, you know, whatever data they can just to support support their argument instead of giving a well-rounded argument. If you don't know all sides of the story, it's like, you know, a litigator in a, in a court of law has to try to anticipate every angle, you know, that could, you know, every argument that could come up with a scenario, right? You want to find all, you know, potential um you know, sides of the story and then be able to answer that and or question that. And so it's sort of the same thing when you think about nutrition and health. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, but uh, there there are some studies out there, I mean, like zinc, uh, there's a higher incidence of zinc deficiency in vegans and omnivores. Now, maybe that's changing with with the better education of the vegans and how to eat and what supplements to take. But, uh, right. it, it certainly, it worries me when I, and I grew up in an era where veganism was, was actually seen as a bad thing. Um, right. 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 And, and, you know, people have even been arrested for child neglect for feeding their children, vegan diets, infants, because they can't, they can't absorb all the protein, uh, all the fatty acids and the amino acids that are necessary from plant food, uh, inability to digest or whatever. And I, yeah. I wonder about the bioavailability. And I know that you probably read the uh, composition of foods, which the federal government put out decades ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there was a lot of research done back in the 30s and 40s and 50s on, on this. Right. So. I don't know if things changed or there is there more uh, or there forms well, we of these have foods more that fortified, are making more bioavailable. We also have more fortified foods. You know, if you're going to eat uh, certain you know products, there's more uh, fortification. You know, where where maybe some nutrients were stripped out. I mean, if you think about like the first fortified food that we all eat is table salt. You know, is iodized <laughs> because oh, yeah. iodine. You know, iodine deficiency was a problem, right? And it caused uh, 
a lot of thyroid problems for people. So, you know, that's like the original uh, fortified food that, original that we one. have. Yep. It's, you know, part of our diet. And, you know, people complain about things with wheat and, and uh, breads and grains and, you know, like... You know, at the end of the day, I, 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 I like to say you kind of like pick your battles. I mean, if you eat a lot of foods that are close to the way they're found in nature, they don't necessarily have a lot on the food label, right? There's not a food label when you go to the grocery store and pick up produce. Nope. No, so, there isn't. You know, there, and, there isn't generally anything added to that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you think about, uh, you think about beans and uh, other sources of uh, plant protein. I mean, you... You really have to cook the heck out of it to break it down enough to be able to get some of the stuff out of this. I mean, you know, it just it seems to me. It, and then don't get me wrong, I, I eat beans. I'm, I'm, I eat rice. I eat. I'm a vegetarian, basically, a ovo lacto vegetarian. So I do eat all these things. But I, I, I do worry about young people, especially young women who are in their uh, in their breeding Junior. years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I worry well, about the teenager on too, children. right? Like, I, I've, I've had many a parent bring a child to me whose, you know, science or health teacher showed them some documentary about animal abuse on like one isolated farm, and uh, then the kid wants to be a vegan after that, and then the parents are pulling their hair out. I mean, I remember my daughter at a young age saying that she wants to be a vegetarian, and I looked at her and I said, "Okay, well, are you going to eat?" Um, tofu? Are you going to eat more beans? Are you going to eat more nuts? And I went through like a whole list of protein foods and she said, no. I said, well, then you can't be a vegan. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're not going to eat, I said, well, I will support it. Force meat down you, girl. <laughs> well, but you know, I, for her, I think some of it was more textural at the time, but I said, nah, you know, like if you're not going to, you know, if you're not going to eat other things that have protein, she wasn't a big egg eater and she didn't like dairy that much. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, here we go. You know, you got Dr. Mom here. And I, if you, you know, wanted to eat more of the of the good stuff, I I will, you know, gladly, ma- you know, make more of it. But um, if you're not willing to do what you need to, to eat a well-balanced, you know, well-nourished, well-rounded, you know, food plan, then no, I'm going to put my foot down and say, absolutely not. <laughs> Yep. Well, she probably picked the thing that she knew was your button too, because you're in the dietary field. And so she, yeah. was she an adolescent then? Um, yeah, I mean, she might have even been like, yeah, she might have been, she might have been like nine or 10 years old at the time. Oh, when pre-adolescent, she yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 I tend to see this more in, in young women too, that they get into these dietary, uh, conundrums and want to be vegetarians or vegans. Is that, uh, do you think that's just part of the maturation process for? Yeah, I think that I think that girls, um, and I don't mean to generalize when I say this. I, I feel that girls like to they're, they're a little more sensitive to others, so they may be a little bit more sensitive to animals. So I think when they think about like their stuffed animal versus eating the animal, you know what I mean? They're like, oh wait, I don't want to eat that lamb. I don't want to eat that little cow or that chicken. You know, like they watch cartoons and things. You know, there's animated movies that they watch. So when they think about that, I think they're like, oh wait, I don't want to do that. And I, I had met a, a farmer um, from Israel, like this herb, this guy specializes in herbs and, and really, really fascinating fellow. And he, he was so funny. He, he's like, well, I said, well, how do you know when you cut a plant? They don't feel pain. He's like, I would argue they do. <laughs> 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 oh, oh. 
<laughs> you know, he said there's something to be. He said he goes if you spend enough time around plants, you can, you can, you can sense different things about the plants. You know that they are a living species in their own right. So, you know, at what point do we, you know, what what things are okay to eat and what things are not okay to eat? <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, let's face it, we're all living off of each other. I mean, eventually we'll be ground back into stardust anyway, so we're, yeah, we'll, feed another, exactly. we'll feed a new star. And uh, so I, I guess everything has some kind of consciousness. Uh, it just isn't something that we recognize, and I agree with you, I mean, or I agree with the farmer. But, you know, I, I, I tend to uh, uh, contrapose the teenage boys. You just open the door and throw in raw meat, and they're happy, lots of it. <laughs> <laughs> and the girls. I, was, I had a 17 year old son, and he's an athlete, and he just cannot eat enough food to gain weight. <laughs> oh yeah, and my son too. He's like that. And uh, and then with the girls, you throw in a you know a head of lettuce, and they'll throw most of it back out at you, and but, uh, <laughs> trying to keep their weight down and not hurt the little animals. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know, I always say that the healthy choice is, is easy choice, and people just need to make it, you know, and, and I, I was just speaking with a family member about a, like a distant cousin that passed away. And they were talking about people in our family that have health issues. I'm like, well, you know, a lot of that's about people being overweight. It's about them not making good lifestyle choices. I got board certified in lifestyle medicine a little over a year ago. And, um, you know, I just think about that and, and why is there not more lifestyle medicine taught in medical schools or, you know, what, why people don't recognize the value of, you know, dietitians and exercise physiologists as part of their healthcare team instead of saying like, hey, you know, well, my insurance isn't going to cover it. Well, that's okay. Well, how about just learning the right thing to do because it keeps your healthcare costs down. Well, you can find a lot of this on the Internet now, too. So I, I think that there's a, there's a lot of wisdom there. And it's easy to get a hold of. Uh, I do think that the family practice programs, residencies, are now teaching a lot of preventative care. That seems to be the big mantra now is uh, preventative care. And uh, I, 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 I think it's a good thing, but I also think that we have to remember that doctors are here to diagnose and treat pathology. And mm -hmm. prevention is, is important. There's no doubt about it. But I also think that we need to remember that uh, the doctors are like any other resource. We have to use it wisely and to have them running around teaching exercise physiology and, and how to eat well is, uh, is not going to cure diseases. Uh, it's not going to stop the flu. It's not going to uh, end cancer of the brain. You know, these are things that, that have to be addressed, diagnosed, and treated. So um, I agree with you in one sense, but in another sense, I think that we need the doctors to continue to focus on pathology. Right. Oh, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I guess my concern is, you know, like I know a new medical school that was started in New Jersey and uh, the head of the hospital system said to me, you know, would you come be on our faculty? We'd like to teach our doctors more about nutrition and exercise. And I said, great. And then when they started putting the faculty together, they're like, you know, we really don't have room in our, in our curriculum to teach that to doctors. I'm like, scratching my head like really like and i'm not saying for doctors to be the expert in it but maybe to have enough base knowledge so that they do no harm when they give out recommendations and perhaps to even encourage them to do more referrals so that uh you know their their patients when they do make 
these diagnoses can go to the right person because I always, I, when I have worked with some fellowship programs, uh, you know, teaching physicians, you know, while they're in their learning process, uh, teaching them about how, you know, it's very hard to undo the harm that they may do by, you know, uh, unfortunately giving out some information that may not be 100% correct. And then, you know, when you're when, as a dietitian trying to go in there and even with the doctorate, you know, trying to explain to them, well, no, that's not really correct. And let me explain this to you, like, but that's what my doctor said. It's like, wow, you know, and you're a physician too. So, look, I've earned a doctorate, but it's, you know, people still think the MDDO is the, you know, makes no mistakes. <laughs> and um, You mean and, we do? Um, yeah. I didn't know that. Did you hear that, Bill? We make mistakes. Oh, my God. Speak for yourself. <laughs> you know, and I'm not, and I'm not, look, I mean, I just know what's, what's in my comfort zone of what I'm, I'm comfortable speaking about. And I try to sure. stay in my lane with that. And I'm a big, I'm a big advocate for referring out to, so um, you know, you might be happy to know that a lot of the HMOs and the uh, uh, the uh, Medicare Advantage plans and all that, they really are stressing more and more of that. And these plans and these HMOs are adding uh, people to educate and preventative care and activities. And they have health club memberships and dietary uh, counseling available. So it, it is changing. It yeah, well, look, and I just also want to point out to, to people that there are a lot of gym chains that don't cost a lot of money, you know, like something like Planet Fitness. I go to that in New Jersey, and they had a $10 a month membership, right? $10 a month. So think about that. Is your fitness worth $10 a month? Well, you know, I, 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 I agree with you 100%. problem in the past has been the these contracts that you had to sign, a lot of people didn't want to do that. But now with Planet right. Fitness, you can just drop in, pay ten bucks, and even if you only go two or three times in, in that one month, you've you've gotten your money's worth. Right. So, right. Yeah. Right. So you know, people always perceive that you have to go to very expensive gyms, and you know, and I would argue you really don't have to. I mean, you no. can go outside and you can walk for free. You know, yep. but I mean, if you go to a gym, they have access to equipment where you can safely do some strength training. And there is, they have free trainers that are there for your use. So, you know, I say like, you know, take advantage of that kind of stuff and utilize that instead of making excuses why you can't do it. Yeah, I think a lot of people have problems with the discipline of doing it on their own. You know, I ride my bicycle. I just cannot stand going to a gym. I don't want to be around people when I'm exercising. For me, it's, I was a swimmer, so sports are lonely for swimmers. Yeah. You know, we, we don't have anybody to talk to. We, Right. Uh, I'm a swimmer, too. So I got you. Yeah, you know how it is. And I, th I think that uh, there is a, a, some sense in, in being in a group for a lot of people that they need that. They need the herd mentality and that kind of pushes them on. So I agree with you. I think a ten dollar a month club is a great thing. And I, I don't have any stock in Planet Fitness, but I. Neither I like do I. <laughs> I. Yeah, I like the idea of Planet Fitness. It's a that's a great opportunity for for folks. Yeah. So, you, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to step on your words. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just I was, saying. Uh, I think we're getting close to the end of the show. What do we got? A couple of minutes left, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. So and I just change. Wanted... Okay, we're we're good. We're good. 
So if you want to add something else. Yeah, on. no, I just want to, you know, again, just say the healthy choice is the easy choice. Everyone just has to make it. And we should really think about taking care of our bodies the way we take care of our, our cars, our pets, and other things that we have in our lives. And, you know, we have one body to take care of and live in. And, you know, we do know that, um, you know, that, that food and physical activity and sleep <laughs> are really great ways to keep the body um you know, going and, and free from disease if we, you know, so choose to do so. Yeah, and, and uh, mm-hmm. there there is now research that shows that sleep deprivation will um, will actually add to obesity. So that's another thing to think about. Well, we got to get out of here. This is Dr. Bill. Thanks, Felicia, and we'll see everybody next week. I am Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. 